Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 45 of the Peristyle Podcast. If you don't know, the Peristyle Podcast is our weekly internet radio show talking all about the Trojans, USC Trojans, marching on towards the Rose Bowl against Penn State January 1st. This week on the podcast, we are going to talk about Penn State, get a little preview of what's going on. We'll touch on some recruiting, got a lot of stuff to cover today. It's a special edition of the podcast because Christmas, we're actually doing it a couple days early. Uh, recording this on Monday instead of our normal Wednesday, but we'll be back to our regular schedule again next week. As always, if you have any comments or questions, you want to complain about us, whatever, anything you want to do, drop us an email. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. That's podcast at uscfootball.com. In the first segment, we are lucky enough to be joined by the coach, Harvey Hyde. Coach, what's going on, man? Well, man, here we are. Uh, just about ready for... Uh... Christmas. Of course, uh, practice is going on. Athletes uh, are off at SC for the Christmas holidays and so on. And uh, I'm just ready. I'm just ready. I've seen some bowl games. Haven't seen a lot of them, but uh, uh, I've just been busy. And as you've been and all of our friends out there have been as far as running around trying to get things done. I went over and watched the SC North uh, Dakota State basketball game on Saturday. So I had a chance to watch that. And, you know, I was going to run over to football practice, too. But uh, it was such a close game that the Trojans won in the last seconds. I couldn't leave at halftime as I had planned, so I missed football practice too. <laughs> so, but I'm planning on getting over there during the uh, period of practice before the Rose Bowl game and just check it out a little bit and just see what's going on. All right. Well, Coach, I just wanted to remind everybody, that, and I wanted to thank our sponsor for the first segment, Southern California Tickets. Their website is sctickets.com, and their phone number is one 800 888 7287. If you need tickets for concerts, you want to go see a show, sporting events, of course, like the Rose Bowl, give them a call over at SC Tickets. I know you're all set, though, Coach, for Rose Bowl tickets, right? You, you probably get a lot of requests. Well, I do get a lot of requests. And, you know, I really feel bad in, in sometimes having to say, well, I can't promise you tickets, but I'll see what I can do. So I've just about filled my santa's list okay that's good that's good i i I, I just about have but i've got a couple of days old saint nick here has a couple of days to finish it off okay i'll tell you it's tough to get those kickoff luncheon tickets this year and you know a lot of people thought it was going to be a soft ticket but it's not a soft ticket everyone i call says you know i'm looking for tickets too so maybe it'll become a uh a big ticket you know it could be and uh, i am you know penn usc's being been there five of the last six years Maybe a little soft on the USC side. We'll have to wait and see. But it should not be soft on the Penn State side. Uh, so I think a lot of those fans are going to be excited. Coming out for the game, uh, get away from the cold for a little bit, even though it is kind of cold here. Um, but it's, it's been a little crazy, Coach. I do appreciate you doing this on a Monday. And I apologize to everyone else who normally comes out on a Wednesday, just with that being Christmas Eve. I'm going to be traveling. Today's actually my birthday, Coach. So I'm doing this on my birthday, working on my birthday. But we're doing it for the fans. I know they love the podcast, so we're trying to help them out. You know what happens, let me tell you, when you broadcast on your birthday and you say it on the air, that means you're young. Uh. When you're working on your birthday and you don't mention it, that means you're what you call a senior. 
see, which means you get discounts. But you're embarrassed to say, I want a senior discount. So you don't use it because if they don't ask you, you feel that they think you're younger than what your age is. So you feel good. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you what my birthday is, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll have to do a podcast on your birthday. But, Coach, I think that's an excellent segue into one of the first points I wanted to bring up with you. And I don't want you to take any offense. But, you know, you, you are a self-declared senior or in that range. And when you're talking about Penn State, I mean, the first name that comes to mind is Joe Paterno. He's been the head coach there since 1966, a few years before I was born. Uh, I, I mean, you were in coaching for a long time. What do you lose? I mean, is, is Joe Paterno lost anything? You know, getting, I mean, obviously he's not out there blocking and tackling, but do you lose anything as you get a little bit older and do you think it makes you not as effective as a coach? Well, I think you become more wiser, and I think you've seen everything as far as what, what you never thought you'd see or expect. You've seen it and done it and been through it, and you've had more years to learn what not to do or how to approach something. Uh, I think the younger, enthusiastic coach tries to get right through it and, and doesn't look at the entire picture, while a senior coach who has been in the bright lights and played for a national championship or played in bowl games for many years uh, handles it a little bit different. I think the experience side of it, you can't replace. You can't replace that, and if you surround yourself with good, young, enthusiastic coaches who have the potential of being head coaches and will become head coaches, then and they give you the loyalty that you need, then you're not, you aren't required as a senior coach to do what you did when you were younger. You're not required to hit the highway and get in those homes and drive all night to see a recruit. What you expect your coaches to do is to locate and and find out what players you should talk to. And, of course, you'll go out with your assistant coach, and you're not forced to drive the car any longer. You don't have to do that. All you need to do, then, is to follow their lead, uh, know, they, know they're, they're, they evaluate personnel correctly, show you every player that you're going to offer a scholarship to so you can look at it or compare them with someone else who's someone else is committed so you know what level of, of uh, player this player is and if you can win with them. Same with game planning. You know, you have great offensive coordinators where you don't have to worry about as far as breaking down all the films and so on. You sit in the meetings where the game planning is put together, but you have confidence in your coordinators in putting together what's necessary to beat your opponent. You have relationships with your players. Uh, You're more relaxed with your players, but you don't have the pressure of having to put the game plans together. You walk around practice. You watch practice. You can do your press conferences. You have less stress on you during the week, but you never lose that game day uh, feeling. You never lose that game day feeling when you get the coaches fired up, you get your players fired up. You, you know, when you're walking to the stadium before the game and the people get there, you get that feeling, that rush. There's nothing like it. And, and that's why Joe Paterno is alive. That's why Joe Paterno wants to take coaching. That's why he got an extension because he's afraid. And as Woody experienced it, others experienced Bear Bryant, that when they lost that rush, their heart stopped pumping. And, and, and it's a very difficult to face. But I think that he has got that perspective. He's got it under control. He's got loyal coaches. And uh, he's a guy that's bounced back 
from a few years ago when they were talking talking about replacing him. Now he gets an extension. Has anybody complained about the extension? Absolutely. Nope. <laughs> Definitely. So not. I get. I think that's sort of the ending of the story, right? Yeah. And it, well, I mean, I guess if you just look at him, it's going to be a different. He has a different style, obviously. And I just wanted to. I guess I wanted that was good insight because, like, if I I went to practice yesterday and you know we're commenting on Pete Carroll throwing passes to the defensive backs and in interception drills and stuff, and so obviously Joe Paterno is not going to be able to do that. But you know he relies on his staff. Uh, and you know, just and he's a legend. You know, to be a walking, living legend, I think that's that can only help as far as recruiting and stuff goes. And like the extension, like you said, that you know makes it easier on some of those kids. Like they know he's probably going to be around for a couple more years. I, I it was funny that they're back in I think 1986. They asked him. He said, "Yeah, I'd like to stick around four or five more years." And then they asked him again, and he said, four or five more years." It's, it seems like that just keeps going on and on and on. It does, and uh, as long as he has his health. And as long as he can do his responsibilities the way he has it broken down, uh, he'll be the head football coach at Penn State University. I don't want to suggest this, but whoever ever asked him to step down, he would be going with him. So uh, I think that's understood that he is what you call a legend. He is one of the great of what you remember, the John McKays and the Pete Carrolls, which will Pete will be there someday in that type of, legend, uh, as you call it, uh, category, Woody Hayes, Bear Bryant, uh, coaches like that in the past, Rip Engel, who he replaced. I remember when he was named the head football coach at Penn State University. I was in Hawaii when I was reading about it. I remember that. And, uh, uh, you know, you don't see many coaches doing what he's done, stayed that long anywhere. And, you look at Pete Carroll, you know, look how long he's been at SC, and he's not going anywhere. And the dean of Mike Bellotti at Oregon in the Pac-10, he's been there more or longer than any other coach in, in the Pac-10. So there's always coaches moving around, and now there's some rumors about Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, Stanford becoming the next Raiders coach. I mean, you know, you always see this movement and these rumors and so on in the past you never heard that kind of stuff. No, I, it's interesting that you talk about Pete Carroll and Joe Paterno. I think USC fans would love nothing more than Pete Carroll to turn into another type of a Joe Paterno guy. Yeah, he didn't come up as an assistant at USC, but if he could stay at USC for 20 years or 25 years or something like that, I mean, I think Trojan fans would be pretty happy. Obviously, the last seven years, uh, unprecedented success, uh, you know, 11 wins each season at least, top four finishes. If they can beat Penn State, they'll get the same thing and obviously seven straight BCS Bowls. So I don't think any Trojan fans will be complaining if Pete Carroll decided, you know, I'm just going to stick it out at, at USC until I retire for 20, 30 years, whatever it takes. Well, I agree with you, and I, and I think that he has all the surrounding cast there with Mike Garrett as athletic director. The Coliseum is sold out. The academic standards of USC, why go anywhere else? You're not going to go to another university. And why go to the NFL? Pete Carroll's experienced the NFL. He doesn't like it. It's not for him. He likes to be around student-athletes. He, he owns the team anyway, so why does he need to go somewhere else when he's the owner, the general manager, and the head football coach at USC? Do you think he can't park anywhere on campus he wants? <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't think he can't walk into any restaurant in Southern California and the guy says, you're not paying tonight, please come back? You don't think he can go backstage at any celebrity uh, event? And they, Do you think they check him for a badge or a press pass or <laughs> credentials? you think they do that anywhere? No, it's Pete Carroll, and he's deserved that. 
from what he's accomplished in Southern California. Now, you might think, who is one of the most recognized celebrities in Southern California? Is it Phil Jackson? Maybe because he's tall. Is it, is it uh, some of these movie stars? No, not really. But most of the time they're made up and they're playing parts and they're disguising themselves with sunglasses and hats and whatever they wear. But Pete Carroll, you can find Pete Carroll in a T-shirt and some Levi's, tennis shoes, anywhere. And people say, you know who that is? That's Pete Carroll. And I think, and I might be wrong, and people will argue with me, I would say that he's the most recognizable celebrity in Southern California right now. Not, not just a football coach in athletics, but celebrity. He has recognized as that. 60 Minutes two weeks ago did a feature on him, and if people didn't see that, they ought to go back and try to find it. I mean, that was the most positive 60-minute segment I have ever seen. And it was done on a football coach and on the college level. Normally when they do that with a football coach in the college level, they're trying to find out who paid who and what's this and that and all this other stuff. Why are you winning? You're not supposed to be winning here. And hey, It was just beautiful, just beautiful. It was. That was a great piece. And I think they have it up on PeteCarroll.com, so you can check that out too. Um, because it's a look ahead to the Rose Bowl a little bit. You know, I've been – Start trying to do the reading up on the team. I've got to see him a few times on TV, not as much as I would have liked. Uh, so I'm trying to do as much research as I can. But what has stood out for you from what you've either seen or, or, or read up on Penn State? What, what, what's out there that you think this is really a concern for USC? Well, you know, first of all, I haven't had the opportunity of watching them play as much as I wanted to. I mean, uh, they weren't televised as often as I could see them here in Southern California. Normally I was at the Coliseum or doing a game or whatever it is. And when they were on, I didn't have a chance because of the time difference to watch them play. I saw highlights on them, but I never saw a complete game. Like I never saw the complete game Penn State in Ohio State. That would have been a nice game to watch. I wish you could have seen it. But I know that they're going to be fundamentally sound, okay? And I know that he will play great defense. Penn State has always been known for great defense. And I really think Penn State will have the best defense that USC has faced this year. You say, oh, Ohio State had a great defense. Yes, they did. But that was early in the season, okay? Penn State now has gone to and played 12 games. And they played together. And they have confidence. And they're not intimidated by USC's office, offense. See, there's a thing of being intimidated or there's a thing of looking at videotapes of all of your opponent's games, and they have all 12 of them, I'm sure. And they say, we can stop these guys. Because really, if there is a weak point at USC, it's the consistency of their offense. And these guys are good on defense. They're front defensive tackles and ends, and they swarm well, linebackers and so on. They're not intimidated by USC, so that builds up their confidence in playing the Trojans. Now, you know, USC might score 50 points. I'm not saying they're not or they are. But I'm saying the defensive side of the football at Penn State has always been their strength. They are not intimidated by USC's offense. So they feel they can keep their offense in the football game. I'm just talking to you as a coach that the way I would approach this game, and I have not seen that much. I want people to understand this. As far as the offensive side of Penn State, they're balanced. They, they can do a little bit of everything, and they have skilled people 
that are playing those positions. The quarterback can run. He's been a winner. They've come from behind. They've got receivers with some speed. But I think SCs can play man on those guys, and they're every bit as good as their receivers as far as skilled players. They have a good running back, pretty good running back. I really want a good receiver out of him and so on. But I think they match up well with Penn State's offense. So I don't think SC defensively is intimidated by you by Penn State's offense. So when you look at these two, I think it's going to be a, a defensive type of battle to coming down to special teams and that, and maybe a big play game, which means there's a breakdown, guys wide open, somebody bows a coverage, somebody playing man and falls down, and somebody gets a big play. I don't think, I don't think I'm saying either team will drive the ball 80 yards on the other defense. I don't think so. So I think it'd be uh, maybe it'd be a low-scoring game because of that, and uh, I think that both defenses will play well against the other team's offense, and uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens after that. All we can do is talk about it. Yeah, and if you look at the the statistics for Penn State, if uh, some of the USC fans haven't checked it out too much, I mean they are total offense in the Big Big Ten first, total defense also first, and they're they're fifteenth nationally total offense and fifth nationally in total defense. I think you're similar numbers in a lot of respects to kind of what USC puts together. And obviously the offense is a little bit different. I mean, they run some elements. Uh, this is what Pete Carroll said, at least uh, in, during practice this week. I mean, he doesn't look at them as like a spread team. Um, yeah. Daryl Clark is a, is a quarterback who can move and, and he can take off and run. And uh, you know, they have a really nice running back and uh, Evan Royster, he ran for 1200 yards this year so far. Uh, but he thinks that they implement elements of the spread offense into their offense, but they do have a, a traditional look. They use a fullback sometimes. So it's not just like a, a spread option type of attack uh, that they're using, but you're, you're right. They do have good balance and uh, you know, it's going to be, it's, I don't think, like you said, the USC defense is going to be intimidated. The big question to me is going to be which USC offense comes out there. Cause you know, that some, some weeks they look great and other weeks they did not. I think the one thing going for him, coach, maybe you can comment on this. Pete Carroll does seem to get the offense playing better after, you know, these long breaks for whatever reason, the bowl games, they seem to do pretty well. Even when they were struggling at times, I think when they played Michigan a couple of years ago, you know, they, they couldn't run the ball and they came out and threw the ball like every play in the second half or something and put up a whole bunch of points. It just seems like they, they're they able to regroup a little bit. Even if the offense struggles during the regular season, they can regroup during this downtime and get it going again for the bowl game. Well, yeah, they've been able to do that and they've been very successful. Uh, haven't they won every BCS bowl game they've been in? Uh, except for the Texas game. Except for the Texas yeah. game. And then that one we won't talk about. Okay. <laughs> No one likes to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it, but it just reminds me of things that I want to talk about, okay? But, uh, yeah, they have, and, and they've been able to uh, dominate more or less in every bowl game they played. Uh, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know why that is. Both teams have the same time of preparation, the same number of days of practice. Uh, but he has been able to do that, especially in the Rose Bowl, dominate the Rose Bowl. Uh, I yeah, Penn State does have a couple extra weeks off too, Coach. I don't know if that's going to be a factor, but it, it does seem to to hurt some of those Big Ten teams, and they have a little rust. Although it didn't hurt Michigan last year when they beat the beat up Florida in their bowl game. No, it didn't. It didn't bother them at all. 
But, it, it, you know, that's been a good excuse, too. And I, and I really think they're two different teams. When you have that much time off, you're a different football team. I mean, you've been away from it. You're back in the weight room. You're taking finals. You're, you're going to the holidays. You're having Christmas, at, you know, maybe in Pasadena or wherever the teams stay, or maybe they come out Christmas Day. It's a whole different thing a whole different it's a one game season if you want me to tell you it's from the end of the season you have one game and then you go off season training and spring practice that's exactly what it is and i think the team the team that best uses utilizes that time in preparation and that has been there before knows the feeling and knows what to expect is the best prepared now usc playing in the rose bowl uh, that is like a regular season football game for them. They've been there. They know where they're staying. They know how to find the Rose Bowl. They know what the locker rooms look like. There's no distraction to them pulling the buses in there. It's a home game. Penn State will want to look around. Oh, my gosh, look at the size of these locker rooms. These are the biggest locker rooms I've ever seen. Or when they go into the Rose Bowl, they look around and say, wow, this is something I've always wanted to do, play in the Rose Bowl or be in Hollywood and do these things. So they're not thinking football all the time. SC is preparing like they would for a UCLA game, a Notre Dame game. Yeah, it's the Rose Bowl, don't get me wrong. But it's not the same feeling. Uh, oh, yeah, we got to go to Laurie's again. Oh, yeah, we got to go to Disneyland again. Oh, yeah, we got to go to kickoff luncheon again. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get that same bag with the same treats in it again. <laughs> you know, I wonder who I'm going to give those to this year. Uh, that type of feeling. So I think SE has an advantage in that. Because I think sometimes the Big Ten team gets a little bit more over too prepared, too emotional and so on, while SC can adjust sleeping in their own beds, going to a hotel only because it's a fringe, but not getting overexcited, not having all these family members hanging out in the hotel and Uncle John coming out from Pittsburgh and you having to see Uncle John and, and do all this stuff. It's a, it's a big distraction for the, the, the East team. While, you know, SC, it's a home game for them. It's a home game. They're not distracted. Their practices are the same. Uh, I really think it is an advantage for them. I think Pete Carroll really utilized that well. You know, he gives them extra little treats himself to sort of break it up. He'll bring some movie star to practice or he'll take them somewhere to a movie. He'll call practice off one day and say, we're going to see a movie to break the boringness of preparing for a bowl game. And uh, he'll get them ready to play in his way. Believe me, he's real good at that. And that's one thing that SC has, and, and, and I'm not trying to put down anybody else's coach or staff, but USC has Pete Carroll. He's a unique person. He's a different person. Like you said, he, he has the energy to throw the ball around. He leads drills. He's always up. Sometimes I can't believe he's, he's so positive about things that sometimes don't look that positive. He believes, though, his, his philosophy. He believes it. Everyone drinks his Kool-Aid. They love it. They'll play for him. And uh, the, the, the band marches on. I mean, he can, he'll going to go and he's going to have another great recruiting year. And you say, why would, why would players want to go there when he has five quarterbacks or this and that? Because they want to play for Pete Carroll. They want to be a part of the Trojan heritage. And they're going somewhere else because they think they can play sooner or they're afraid of the challenge of going to SC 
and not being able to be successful on the playing field. So if you turn down an SC scholarship at this time, you're more or less admitting that I want to go somewhere else because I can't play at SC. Now, I would remind you of that when I played you. I would tell my team in the locker room, those guys we're playing today, we recruited this guy, that guy, this guy. They can't compete with us because they didn't come to USC. And uh, you get those guys ready to play. Great. All right, Coach. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. Thank you very much for uh... – Well, I'm, I don't want to stop you. I know. It stinks. Uh, we'll have to have you – I'll do like a conference one maybe next – when we start the next podcast. I'll let you talk with Dan Wykey. We'll usually, we'll usually talk to him in the next segment. So that'll be fun. We'll get the two of you That's guys. That's right, buddy. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> going at. But anyway, thanks again for your time. And uh, hope you have a wonderful holiday. And we will talk to you next week. And thank you. And don't forget to thank Southern California Ticket Service. And if people don't have their tickets yet – you better call, but you're not going to find them anywhere unless you call Southern California Ticket Service. Yeah, sctickets.com is where you can check it out. Anyway, Coach, thanks very much, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, buddy. All right, everyone else, we'll be back after this quick break talking more Rose Bowl. The Parastyle Podcast will be back after this short break. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. Now return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We are back with the Parastyle Podcast, and we have with us USCFootball.com beat writer Dan Wykey. We're going to talk a little bit more about Penn State. We got to visit with that a little bit and uh, get Harvey Hyde's thoughts in the last segment. Now we're going to talk to Mr. Wykey about what he thinks since he comes from, he hails from Big Ten country, I think. Weren't, weren't you born and raised in Michigan or something? Or uh, I hate you so much. <laughs> yeah. Chicago. And happy holidays to everybody. I'm excited. Yes, everyone. Hopefully you have a good holiday. And uh, I, I told Harvey in the last segment, Dan, I don't even think you know, today is my actual uh, birthday. So uh, working on the birthday, and I fly out tonight to go to Boston. So that's why we are doing the podcast a little bit early this week. Well, happy birthday, Ryan. What are you, 54 now? 55? Almost, okay. almost, close, close. Okay. No, I'm still in my 30s. Thank you, but that's good. <laughs> you take that, right? Take uh, that, Abraham. So, Penn State. Uh, I know you. Uh, you know, we, I talked about this a little bit in the last segment. What uh, Coach Carroll had said. I think a lot of people think that you look at Penn State and they say, "Oh, it's a this is a spread option attack." Uh, and, and Pete Carroll seemed to think that you know that they're more of a traditional offense that utilizes some of the spread concepts. Is that kind of what you heard from him too? That's what he said. And I, I, I've got, why do you have me talking about the spread offense again? I, I have to ask. 
Oh, uh, because you, you everybody really, loves I'm it. just a glutton. You're just a glutton. I'm a glutton for punishment. We're not talking about talking USC about the... spread offense. We're talking about Penn State. We okay, know. Yeah, we no, know you want. We know you want USC to run the spread, and you think that Pete Carroll. That's Carroll's... not true. <laughs> for That's everyone else, not true. On the on the message boards, uh, Dan was <laughs> getting a lot of flack. Uh, I think maybe twisting a little bit of his words. I don't think Dan thinks that 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 the college football landscape is passing USC by or anything. But that's what some of the people on the message board thought. So we are just for you guys on the message board. We are not talking about the spread at USC. We're talking about Penn state <laughs> and the spread offense there. The, the opponent. I'm taking enough, enough punishment, Ryan. I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm ready to move on. All right. Well, let's get your comments and see what you think. Okay. Okay. On, on Penn state's offense. Yeah. I mean, they, they have spread tendencies. I mean, they can uh, they can run the ball with Daryl Clark, the quarterback who's very talented. I mean, he can roll out and do stuff like that. They can do some zone or eat stuff with Evan Royster, the running back who's very versatile. Um, and then they've got a, they've got a lot of really good quick receivers, so they can do a bunch of stuff when they spread the field and, and do things that way. Um, but then they also have a good offensive line, so they can run the ball up the middle and they can do they can do those kind of traditional um, pro style offense type type of things that Pete Carroll likes to do. Um, speaking to Ken Norton about it um, earlier this week. He said that he, he thought that they were almost mirror images. Obviously, I, I, I disagree a little bit. I think Daryl Clark's a, a different quarterback than Mark Sanchez. Um, and uh, But as far as when it comes to just like the weaponry of that offense, um, it's similar to an extent where you do have talented receivers, you have a talented running back, and then you also have a quarterback who can make plays. No, I, I agree with you. And then, you know, you, you obviously see Daryl Clark going to be running a lot more than, than Mark Sanchez. Although Sanchez has scrambled a few times, it's not – they're never usually designed plays uh, for Mark there. But I think the, the key really is that veteran offensive line. They've only given up 12 sacks all season long, led by A.Q. Shipley, who's the senior center. Uh, I mean, he's a stud, All-American. I, I, just having that offensive line in place, I think, think, allows them to do a lot more on offense. And that's why they were ranked you know, first in the Big Ten in total offense. Yeah, they're a good team. Um, I'm, I, I don't know if people can tell if they can read between the lines. I'm really high on, on, on Penn State. I think they're a very different team than Michigan was two years ago or that Illinois was last year. I mean, I think this is, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a very good offense. And, and Penn State has always been solid on defense too. So, I mean, like, this is a very good football team. This is a team that it was really a, a kick away from being in the national championship game, as it turns out. An undefeated Penn State team would have played for the for the BCS national championship. There's no doubt in my mind, and they barely lost to Iowa, a, a, a pretty good team, not a you know, by no means an excellent team, but a, a pretty good team. And, you know, I mean, they handled Oregon State early in the season. I mean, this is a good football team. They beat Ohio State. They crushed Michigan State. I mean, the, they can play, and I think it'll be a really good game. Now the the one question you're looking at the uh, just the passing offense. I think if you have one question on offense, I mean that's where I would look. It seems like they do a pretty good job of spreading the ball around. But the big name you keep hearing, you know, Derek Williams. He's uh, I think fifth all time at Penn State, four thousand seventy six all purpose yards. I mean he obviously can make plays. He can make plays in special teams. But you know he only had like forty one catches or something. I don't I don't have the number in front of me, but he only had you know about forty catches and. Um, I mean, they didn't really have the kind of, you know, receivers on, on the outside where they were getting guys 60, 70 catches or anything like that. No, and I, and I mean, I think that's a, a spread type of, I mean, those are spread type of numbers where, I mean, the ball goes to a lot of people where the ball gets spread around. Get it? 
Oh, you use a play on words. So you think USC should run the spread? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> no, no I, I mean, they, uh, Derek Williams is a great player. I kind of look at him sort of as having a McKnight-ish type of uh, impact on games where, I mean, he's a guy that can do a lot of different stuff with. He's a guy that can, they can get the ball to in the backfield if they want to. They can, they can throw, you know, quick little bubble screens to him. You know, they can get the ball underneath, and then they try to get him involved in special teams. I mean, he's really a very, very dangerous guy. I know. I mean, I know the team thinks that, and I, he is—he's uh, one of their guys that they're preparing for, certainly. Yeah, he averages about 27 yards per kickoff return, so it'll be key for David Beeler to get those kickoffs deep into the end zone. Um, you know, he's done that pretty consistently this year. You talk about the offense, and if you know, you can comment more if you want to. But I wanted to uh, touch on something that I think could be a big part of this game and you feel this is a strong team I definitely feel it's a strong team that USC is going to be playing uh yeah it's another big 10 team but it is I think this is a really tough team but special teams wise I mean when you got a guy like Derek Williams and he does excel in the return game and he has all those all-purpose yards that I talked about uh and also Kevin Kelly uh he might he's eight points away I think from being the all-time leading scorer in in big 10 history 419 points so if he gets a couple field goals and couple extra points i mean he will tie or break that record uh, i i think you look at their special teams play and it is solid across the board and if usc's playing a close game you know and they they start getting those 32 yard punts and you know they missed field goals in the last game david biller's been great all year but he did miss three field goals last game i mean that could be if it's a close game that could definitely be a factor oh i there, there's no doubt no doubt in my mind um you know special teams is one of those things that in close games tends to uh tends to surface as a reason why a team will win or lose. And, um, you know, that would seem, it would seem to me that Penn State, if there's one area where they have a decided edge, or maybe that's not the right word, maybe not edge, but where they're, they're every bit as good as USC on special teams. Certainly. And uh, I was looking through, I don't know if you got to check out the Penn State uh, media release yet, but I was kind of looking through some of that, and it it's always interesting to see, like when uh when UCLA put out a release before the game, um, they, it was funny. They talk about oh USC and UCLA are, I think it was fourteen and fourteen in the past, you know, twenty eight games or whatever, and I, and then they're like and one and one in the last two, and I was like, well, okay, they're also you know lost <laughs> eight out of the last nine, uh, but you know that that wasn't mentioned in the UCLA release. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, you get to read, obviously the schools are promoting their, their, you know, when they put out a release, they're promoting their schools and Penn state. One of the things they promoted was, you know, since 2005, they have a 40 and 10 record, which is seventh best, uh, in the country. And which was interesting. I mean, since 2005, USC hasn't won a national title or anything, but they're actually number one, uh, 45 and six over that, that time period. And I, I think that's part of the reason too, that, that when people kind of complain, I mean, is there a whole lot to complain about when you're winning 11 games and going to a BCS bowl game every year? Yeah, but I think that just reading that stat kind of, you know, something went off in my head saying, well, they have the best record since 2005, but they don't have any national championships to show for it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, th- I think, I think obviously we've talked about this a little bit. The, the frustration comes from the fact that everybody thinks that USC, I mean, by everybody, I mean the nation, their USC fans, for the most, and, and really – objective sports fans i mean you look at what usc has been able to do and the talent they've been able to put on the field the success they've had and the losses they've had and you kind of scratch your head and and, and you're just frustrated by the fact that you know you 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 wish that you think you start thinking about what could have been because you know they're 
been in positions to, to play for national titles. They've been in positions to, you know, like their schedule, the way their schedule is this season, I mean, was set up perfectly for USC to go undefeated. I, I felt like, I felt like, you know, that was a, a, a thing that they could, that was obviously something very, very close to being able to be done. And, you know, they, they lost to Oregon state mostly not to disparage what Oregon state did this year, but I mean, they lost because of how bad they played in the first half. Um, you know, it, it, it's really, it, it, that's where the frustration comes. And I think that's where people start to look at stuff and say, well, what can we do different to, to, to fix this? You know, and then that's that leads us into to things like, you know, you start looking at the offense, you start looking at, you know, are they playing aggressive enough on defense? And and, and that's where those um those questions come in, into into play, I think. So that's why you want USC to run the spread, is that That's exactly why, right? <laughs> no, that, you know what, I don't even want him to use a quarterback. I want him to, I want him to run Joe McKnight back there and let him pass and run. That's that's what I I'm advocating now. Yes. I, you know, it's uh the spread bone. I want him to run the spread bone. <laughs> we talked about this at practice. I th- what was mine? Yeah, I said the spread bone. Didn't you say the spread coast or the something? Spread coast. Yeah, yes. it's the half the half west coast offense half. Yeah, spread we're going to invent the new one. Hey, what uh, Georgia Tech's doing? You know that 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 whole uh, triple option threat. I think you can do something of the spread in that. That'd be great. We'll we'll come up with yes. a new offense. Maybe we'll be the next Charlie Weiss and have no football playing experience, but have a. I think Charlie Weiss outweighs this combined. <laughs> yeah, but we're not going to get into that. All right. Um, so a little bit more on Penn State. I think if you want to look on the defensive side of the ball, and I, I think that's where this game is going to be won or lost. I really think the USC defense is going to be able to, you know, keep it under control as long as the USC offense shows up. And, uh, you know, they, they could or they couldn't. And, um, you know, we talked about this with Harvey Hyde and, they seem to do a lot better after they get some time off and get some game planning. But the one thing I didn't even think about was, are they going to be game planning the same way with Sarkeesian on his way out? But I guess that's a topic we can broach in a, in a few seconds here. But you know, you look at the, the Penn State defense and the one name that pops out to you, uh, Aaron Maven, uh, 19 tackles for loss, 12 sacks this year. I mean, he's a, only a sophomore just stud defensive end. He's had at least one tackle for loss in every game this season. So it seems like he brings his, he brings his best game every, every time out there. And I think he's going to give this USC offense a little bit of trouble. And they're going to have to find a way to make sure this offensive line can neutralize him and just make sure they can make plays without him busting them up before they get started. Yeah. He's a fast guy. Uh, I mean, there's really no, I mean, he's got good size, six four two thirty six, 36. Um, and there's obviously, I mean, he's been on everybody's all American team. Um, he's their Ray Maluga. I mean, he's their most terrifying guy. He's the guy that you have to prepare for and the guy you have to find. And, and the problem is that that leads to is when you're focused so much on a guy like a defensive end or whatever, you have to make sure that you don't forget about their linebackers. I mean, Penn State has always had very good linebackers. Um, you know, I expect them to have very good linebackers on New Year's Day. I mean, that's the, the tricky part, and I think that's where USC's had so much success is because they have – you know, multiple guys you have to scheme for on defense. So when you scheme for Brian Cushing or Ray Maluga, maybe that opens the door for Fiona Moala to have a big game or Taylor Mays or somebody like that. And, and I really think that with Maven, where he might not, you know, he might not sack Mark Sanchez five times. But if you look at the, the success that they had for front seven, if they're putting pressure on the quarterback, obviously so much of it has to do with the fact that Aaron Maven's just so terrifying. I mean, as a football player, I mean, he he's make, can make a huge impact on a game. I mean, we've seen USC struggle at times 
this year with pass protection, and that would be, I would think, I mean, that, that's that got to be a big concern right now is how are the tackles going to handle Aaron Maven and, and the way he gets off the ball and the way he can get to the quarterback. Yeah, and there, there could be a little shakeup on the USC offensive line. I was talking to Coach Rule yesterday at practice, and uh, Zach Heber, who went out with a turf toe, he was working with the first team this past week um, because Alex Parsons tweaked his ankle against UCLA. So they're competing there, and you also have Butch Lewis and Nick Howell competing at the other tackle spot. So there could be a little bit of, of change. You know, we could see a different starting lineup when uh, Penn State comes in there. And whoever gets in there, I think there'll still be a rotation, but they're going to have to play their best game because this is a really good Penn State front. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's really, I mean, I, I really don't think that me and you are both trying just to sell this game because it's another Rose Bowl. and We want to get people, I mean, this is a good football team. I'm convinced of it. I mean, they're, they're, they're good on both sides of the ball. Um, like I'm really high on their offense. This is, I mean, there's, I can't, I can't, the simplest way I can say it is that this is a very, very good football team. And I mean, as I mean, when you look at the bowl matchups, I, I think it's probably the second most intriguing game, you know, behind the national championship game behind uh, Notre Dame and Hawaii. Is that what you meant? Or yeah, that's exactly obviously what, that's the most like, intriguing game. Do you know, do you know, you know, Hawaii <laughs> runs a spread offense. Ooh, interesting. Maybe USC should. So you think USC? No, we're just kidding. Uh, yeah, I think USC. I think USC should hire Timmy Chang to be their new offensive coordinator, <laughs> for, 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 former Hawaii quarterback. Yeah, wh- whatever happened to him? I, he didn't get drafted, right? He didn't. Uh, he might. Have I don't think so. Canada or something. I don't know. I feel like he's an arena league quarterback, which means he's looking for a job right now. Right, because they canceled their season and stuff. Um, any uh, any interesting stuff coming uh, from practice this past week? What What do you think was no, going on? not really nothing. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, there's been some interesting stuff. I mean, it's fun to watch this team prepare and kind of the way people talk so much about the success that PKL's had when it comes to, to having time to prepare for an opponent. <clears throat> and it's been interesting just to see this process. I mean, you would think that that okay, you've got three weeks, we'll say, of practice to get ready for a bullying. You know, you would think that it would make the most sense to take week one and to start out Penn State. I mean, you've got all this extra time. You should dissect more film. You should have a bigger game plan. You should know should know the Nittany lines inside and out. And while that's important to P. Carroll, that hasn't been the plan. The first, I mean, the, the, the first weekend of practices, they did nothing Penn State related, really. I mean, they just kind of went at it with it with themselves and and you know this week they've done some Penn State stuff I mean they've, they've, they've installed a game plan I shouldn't say something they have installed a game plan but um, they've also found time to really do a lot of competition-based drills a lot of competition-based periods like where I mean you know the defense has been been you know chanting things at the offense and the offense has been bounced up and down getting on the defensive phase I mean these have been as intensive practices as they've had you know all year. And that's pretty remarkable when you think that, you know, it's the end of the season and stuff like that. And people are wondering, you know, can this team get up for this game again and stuff like that. I have no questions about that stuff. I mean, like that's, that's the kind of the majesty that is Pete Carroll is that, you know, you can do stuff like this and and the way that that he handles this extra preparation. I mean, his players have bought in and and really they're, they're really having good practices. I think, I mean, uh, now to be fair, I think the offense hasn't looked particularly great. Um, you know, during this period, I think that they've struggled some and shown some rust. Um, but again, part of that could be due to the fact that the defense is playing well and the defense is so jacked up right now. I mean, 
it's 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 fun it's fun to be out of practice right now. I'll, I'll put it like that. I mean, like you know, the defensive line is taken to ragging Aaron Corp mercilessly. <laughs> so when Aaron when Aaron Corp's in the game taking snaps in practice, they're all chanting Corp Corp like over and over again, and it's it's a riot. I mean, it's fun to watch you know them try to like get under his skin, and obviously I think it's good for Aaron Corp because you know I mean that. <laughs> if you have like Kyle Moore and Sealy Moala and Ray Maluga ragging you and stuff like that, I mean, and you can still make plays with those guys on your back. I mean, like, I think you're going to be able to handle, you know, the Arizona defense in two years. No, I think that's you know, in that position. Right. That makes a lot of sense there. And uh, just so people know, Steve Sarkeesian is still out there running the offense. Um, you also have, uh, you know, John Morton's there too, but you know he looks like he's taking part more, but still being run by Steve Sarkeesian at this point. Yeah, I talked to John. I talked to Johnny Mo about this a little bit. Um, that's what his players call him, Johnny Mo. Yeah, and Coach uh, Mo, Johnny Mo. Yeah. Yeah. He. Uh, yeah. He said that you know the, what he's been doing is he's been watching Sark. Oh, he's coaching the receivers and he's still doing his work. But he's been kind of eyeballing Sark and kind of trying to figure out where Sark stands and the way Sark addresses players and, and kind of trying to get a, a feel for the way Sark positions himself on the football, football field and the class field to get the best vantage point of the offense. I think that's smart. I mean, I think that's the best part about having Sark around right now is that, you know, it's, this transition isn't, okay, Sark, you took your job, see you later. Johnny Morton, you're running the offense. And John, I mean, John Morton kind of, you know, it's like – throwing a baby bird out of a nest, you know? I mean, maybe he'll do all right, but maybe you won't. You know, maybe he'll fall flat, flat on his face on the ground. So it's like, it's nice that, that I, like, I think that's a big upside to having Sark around right now is that, is that John Morton gets to kind of watch him and gets to kind of be on his hip a little bit and just to see what an offensive coordinator really looks like, you know, and, and how an offensive coordinator carries himself and stuff like that. I think that's important. For, for John Morton's progression as a coach. You know, I also think it's interesting that Kyle Smith has been at practice. Um, you know, he he, um, he left yesterday, but, I mean, he spent some time with the staff, and you know, Pete Carroll made it very clear that he's not coaching, because I believe that would be... Uh, no, no. That would be wrong if you were to be coaching, because they would have too many people on their staff. But, you know, he was around, and I, I don't think he was cooking for the team. <laughs> <laughs> I'd imagine he was he was adding some input somewhere along the lines, and and I think you know Carlos got to kind of look to see, so this is what my staff could look like, you know. So I, I think that was interesting too. I mean, it really the, that kind of part of it, that kind of like coaching drama, has also been really fun to watch. And, and you know, I, I get a sense that John Morton's getting more comfortable with this. He's getting more comfortable with the extra attention. Um, you know, one of the things I was talking to another reporter about this actually. Um, um, you know, when when you do interviews, sometimes you get a sense for body language. And I remember the first time John Morton's name came up. Um, you know, all the media, all the beat guys, everybody who was at practice wanted to interview him. And so, like, we kind of, you know, I don't want to say we cornered him, but like we, um, you know, we kind of formed like this half circle around him and we started asking questions. Well, as we're asking questions, John Morton started taking small steps backwards. <laughs> and I, I thought I was like, uh, I don't know if that's a good trait. You know, in an offensive coordinator, a guy who, I mean, if that's how he responds to this kind of attention, you know, it's only going to get more and worse, you know, when the USC, if the USC offense, you know, manages, you know, 10 points at Ohio State next year and, and the Trojans lose and stuff like that. I mean, they're going to be questions for John Morton, tough questions. 
you know, and is he going to back off like that? I mean, and, uh, you know, I've noticed in the past couple of days, he's gotten better about stuff like that. He hasn't done that. He seemed to, to kind of have a little fun, playful give and take with the reporters stuff like that. And he's trying to get more comfortable. And I think that's a good thing too. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, I like John Moore and I got to interview him when he first got to campus and he's always been, you know, really friendly and frank with me and talking about the, the receivers and stuff. So I'm looking forward to being able to talk to him, uh, as the offensive coordinator going forward, but yeah, we'll have to see what happens there. Dan, that's all the time we have, unfortunately, but thanks again for joining us and we'll uh, talk to you again next week, right before the Rose bowl. Sounds great. Happy holidays. Everybody be safe. Yeah, everyone. Happy holidays. We're going to be back. I am trying to run down Gerard Martinez. So hopefully we'll be able to get him on the you line. You should be able talker. to catch Gerard Martinez. I should be able to since uh, since he works for me. But, you know, sometimes he's hard to get hold of. He's always calling recruits. He knows more about recruiting than anybody I know. So we'll uh, we'll talk to him hopefully next segment, talk some USC recruiting. And we'll be back in a bit. You're listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. We are back to the Peristyle Podcast, our third and final segment. And unfortunately, I apologize to everyone, we were not able to run down uscfootball.com recruiting writer and analyst Gerard Martinez. He's kind of running around crazy, getting stuff on a story right now. And since I'm flying out later this evening, we weren't going to have time to get him on. So we'll just do a quick little recruiting update uh, without him, I did consult him. I guess the biggest news coming out was uh, Morel Presley, the uh, four-star tight end from Carson, California, 6'4", 215 pounds, was committed to USC, actually the first commit for the class of 2009 over a year ago, and he decided to switch, and he's now committed to UCLA. So it's kind of an interesting story there. He talked about wanting to build on something new. Instead of something that's already established, obviously UCLA is building their program right now. I don't think Trojan fans should get too worried about it. A lot of people on the message boards were talking about he was worried about competition and Blake Gales. And we've seen stuff like this before. I mean, obviously every program isn't perfect for every kid. If there's a kid that is worried about playing time or competing or would rather be part of something that's building as opposed to something that's already established then, you know, USC probably isn't the program for you. And obviously it was not for Morel Presley. Interesting enough, his good friend is Byron Moore, uh, who is the stud safety out of Narbonne, uh, Narbonne California, uh, Narbonne High School uh, in California, of course, Southern California. They're good friends. Uh, the, the Moore family and the Presley family, they are good friends. And Byron Moore was originally committed to UCLA and switched his mind and committed to USC. So, and I, I've talked to the family and they're definitely... Still high on USC. They're not going to be changing their commitment going back or anything like that. So they're still friends, but they're going to be playing for cross-town rivals there. Um, some other stuff going on. Last week with Gerard, we talked about uh, Simone Vahakite. I believe that's how we pronounce his name. He's a two-star fullback from Hawaii. And uh, he did commit, I think, the day after. I think it was on Thursday, the day after we did the podcast. Um, so, yeah, so he did commit there. Uh, you know, Ken Norton got to see him 
out there in Hawaii when they were looking at a five-star stud linebacker, Manti Teo, checking him out. So he got an offer, and he did commit. He'll be coming in, and uh, he will add some fullback depth for USC. Also, update on one of the best players that have committed to USC in this recruiting class. There's a few five-star guys. One of them is Patrick Hall from up in the Ventura, Ventura area, St. Bonaventure High School. He is a five-star athlete, and his team actually won the CIF Division Three title game. Um, he's still committed to USC. He was wearing USC on his eye black at that game and everything, and he will be participating in the U.S. Army All-American Bowl on January 3rd, shown on NBC. Uh, Byron Moore will be in that as well. Uh, he comes in. A lot of people projected him to be a safety, and Gerard did an interview with him recently that's up on uscfootball.com now, so you can get a lot more details on that. Uh, but it looks like the coaching staff is going to have him try to play offense, maybe looking like a Reggie Bush stuff, do some things in the slot, carry some carry the ball a little bit too. So they'll probably start him off when he comes in on offense. That's again, that's Patrick Hall. But you know, he could switch back to safety. I think he prefers to play safety. We'll have to see when he gets in there. You know, Pete Carroll's pretty good about putting guys in situations, see where they do, and you know, they can move them around at the player's discretion or the coach's discretion, just depends on what's going on there. And then one final tidbit one to share with you. USC got their sixteenth commitment uh this past week. Jake Hartman, he is from Mount San Antonio College. He is an all-purpose kicker. So he punts, kicks off, kicks field goals, extra points, all that kind of stuff. So he, he was only on campus for about three hours, and he already then he got an offer and committed right there on the spot. That's where he wanted to go. He will be enrolling in the summer. This is important for USC because I think a lot of the complaints we've had on the message boards, I mean, yes, they, they bring in a lot of five-star guys. Uh, skill positions, but not usually big-time kickers or punters. This kid definitely is a big-time kicker and punter. And with USC losing Greg Woidnick, who's a senior, and also David Beeler, who's a senior, they're going to need to replace those. So he'll come in this summer and start competing right away to uh, take over the punting, the kickoffs, the kicking, all of that. Uh, he could win you know, one or two of the jobs. He could win them all. We'll have to see. There'll be a good competition. There's still some kickers on the team, guys like Jordan Congdon and, and Joe Houston and stuff. So we'll have to see what that plays out. We'll be watching them over the summer as they come in the next fall. Uh, that's about it for our recruiting updates. Thanks, everyone. Sorry about the early date of the podcast, but it's just a little crazy with Christmas this week. We might Next week, we might have to do it on Tuesday. Uh, we can try you know, try to do it Wednesday. Wednesday is the 31st, the day before the Rose Bowl. So we will either go on Tuesday or Wednesday next week, and then we'll be back to our regular schedule, talking all kinds of stuff in the offseason the next month or so. After we break down the Rose Bowl, there'll be a lot of recruiting talks. So there'll be all kinds of stuff going on. Come on, you know, check out the Peristyle Podcast. And don't forget, we have a brand new webpage, peristylepodcast.com. Looks pretty cool. I got some pictures and stuff up there. So I hope you guys like the new webpage. You can also get us from iTunes, all that stuff. So check it out, peristylepodcast.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening this week. I hope you all have a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, all that. Happy holidays to everyone. And we will talk to you next week. Listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can now download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player. Just search for Peristyle Podcast the next time you log into iTunes.